Hello and welcome to this podcast presented by LexisNexis. Because the law is everywhere, at the heart of our lives and our discussions, this series brought to you by LexisNexis and guests will cover current issues that impact us daily. My name is Monica Sorensen, Marketing Manager at LexisNexis Canada. I would like to introduce our guest for today, Victoria Schroff. Victoria Schroff is credited as being one of the first and longest serving animal law practitioners in Canada. Often referred to as a trailblazer, she has practiced animal law in downtown Vancouver at Schroff & Associates for more than 20 years and has been teaching animal law at UBC's Allard School of Law since 2016. Ms. Schroff also created and taught the first animal law course for paralegals at Capilano University in 2019, where she is faculty in the School of Legal Studies. In 2020, she helped spearhead Canada's first animal law pro bono clinic. Ms. Schroff has appeared at all levels of court in British Columbia and filed BC's first landmark dangerous dog case for leave to appeal at the Supreme Court of Canada. In recognition of her contributions as an animal lawyer educator, she has been a finalist for the top 25 most influential lawyers in Canada in 2021, 2020, 2019, and 2018, is a finalist for the YWCA Women of Distinction Award 2022 for Education, Training, and Development, also named by Animal Justice as one of the top female lawyers in the country, plus many more achievements. Ms. Schroff frequently writes about animal law issues for legal and mainstream publications and is a regular speaker at animal conferences and law schools around the world. Victoria, thank you for joining us today for your second podcast with LexisNexis. International Women's Day is in March, and we're excited to celebrate it with you. As an accomplished female lawyer and author, we would like to know who inspired you to get in the legal profession and why. Well, thanks very much for having me on your podcast, Monica, and to to talk about um, my journey. Um, I'd say um, my inspiration started um, with my family. Uh, my father is a lawyer, and I had the privilege of practicing with him for a very long time after I had articled and summered at another large downtown firm. I decided to join my father's boutique firm. And so I continued to get inspiration from him in my years of practice. He only retired a couple of years ago. Skipping one generation in my family in the legal profession, my great-grandfather was also um, a lawyer and advocate um, way back. So um, that's sort of what inspired me to get um, into the legal profession. I was one of those um, people who, from the age of four, people would say, little girl, what are you going to be? And I'd say, I'm going to be a lawyer. And so I I really, I was just always very set on the idea. And um, one of those situations where um, somehow when you listen to your inner voice as a child, it turned out to be accurate as an adult. Wow, four generations of lawyers. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So did you have any leaders as mentors, specifically women growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, as I I probably was closer to when I was in the profession, but as not necessarily in the legal profession, because animal law is so new, and that's, of course, the type of law I practice and teach and write about, 
um, there weren't any mentoring situations there for me or women to be inspired by specifically. But for example, um, Dr. Jane Goodall was always an inspiration to me as a child. Um, we have the Africa connection. I happen to have been born in Africa, not far from the Serengeti with its amazing animals. And um, so um, animals have always been like kin to me. And that's the same for Jane Goodall. And she always expressed her love of animals and um, how we need to protect them. And that always struck me from a very young age as something important and something I was involved with. And then as I, I started practicing um, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there's been some incredibly strong and amazing um, ethos on women in the law from her and also um um, Alberta's Chief Justice Catherine Fraser has been uh, an inspiration to me too um, ever since she wrote her landmark dissent in the Reese case over 10 years ago. So, you know, there have been uh, women along the way that have inspired me. But um, again, going back to family, my mom and my grandmothers, all very strong women. And encouraging me to do whatever I want in life has always been a great asset to me. Um, and, and I feel very blessed to have that because you realize when you, when you grow up that not everybody has that privilege of having strong women around them. And I really benefited from that. So clearly then your influence from your mother and your grandmother um, helped, helped you pursue law and practice animal law. So you've been practicing for over 20 years. Would you say you're a mentor to other women in the legal industry? And what do you advise them about? Yeah, um, I actually formally mentor um, several women in the profession and not just in BC. I also um, in other provinces. I think currently I'm, I'm mentoring in uh, three provinces right now um, for you know, again, there's there's a kind of a not a lot of women doing this work. And um, so so young women who are interested in pursuing animal law or social justice or um, somehow um, doing partly environmental law, partly doing animal law, it's all interconnected. And, you know, one of one of the things that I I feel um, my role in as a teacher, too, um, is, is mentoring. So through my, you know, I have to say more than 80 percent of the students who take animal law are women, um, which is which is interesting to me in both um, um, my spheres of teaching through um, the Capilano School of Legal Studies and at UBC's Allard School of Law. And so I end up um mentoring those students um, sometimes after the, the course is over and also through our animal law pro bono clinic. And um, really the, the main advice that I like to give students, um, uh, I say, is this something you want to do? Because don't get into it because it might seem like an exciting area. Do it because it's something you really want to do. It's something that has to have staying power for you. And um, as you know, mentorship is is all over the place. It's not just about what we do as lawyers. It's also what we do in our home life and and um, trying to find that elusive thing called 
balance uh, that nobody has and letting them know that that's okay um, because it really is uh, it, there, there really is no such thing, but we still strive for it. So did you know you always wanted to practice animal law? Um, well, I, you know, I've, so my interest in animals was always very strong, starting from literally infancy being in Africa and then, um, and then in Canada, and we always had animals at home and I always had this affinity with them. So animals were always there and I didn't realize that there was something called animal law that I could possibly do. I had done a few animal law files prior to doing animal law pretty much as my sole practice. And then um, this was around the year 2000. And one of Canada's, if not Canada's first animal law lawyer from BC, Kristen Tilquist, she was leaving for California. And she said, would you like to take over my practice? And we were in the same building um, in downtown Vancouver. And I said, yes. That would be wonderful. And I took over her practice and then I grew it uh, to, to where it is really now, which is, of course, I haven't been doing anything but animal law for years and years. Um, so it, um, it, you know, it took time to grow the practice and to, to see how this could really be viable. And um, so I'd say in terms of uh, any... Any lawyering mistakes or issues uh, that have come up for me is um, really, I, I don't think so. I think it's been more like um, just finding my feet and seeing that this was something that I really could do. And again, having the blessing from my father, who was the senior partner in the firm, saying, OK, go for it. And um, that was that was really helpful to have that backing and um, and also having the support of um, uh, colleagues and friends from my old firm and and um, throughout the province. Um, I've really had a lot of folks coming to me and saying, you know, that's really neat. You're doing this and um, and and running with it, basically, and turning it into something and getting to be. One of the people on the ground floor of this type of work uh, has been incredibly rewarding and exciting. It's interesting that you mentioned that 80% of the women are in your animal law course. I wouldn't have expected the percentage to be so high. I thought the split would have been more even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's been consistently like that over the years. Um, I'm not sure why I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not clear on why that is. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's, it's an equal opportunity area to be sure. Um, it really is. Um, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but, um, you know, we, we continue to see that year on year. So on that note, what would you tell young women who are thinking about becoming a lawyer in general or practicing animal law? Okay, well, I'd say, you know, it's really important to listen to your heart, but it's also important to listen to your mind because you, your heart might be willing, but if your mind isn't in sync with your heart, it's not going to work very well for you. Um, you know, you have to ask, is this the profession for you? Is this the type of practice you want to do? And I ask my mentees to think one year into the future, five years, 10 years, and then 20, um, you know, and this is a big ask for some people who are in their 20s to project 20 years into the future and see, is this 
where you think you're going to be going? Is this how you want to see yourself? Um, are you happy? Um, is this what you imagined? Um, you know, you have to, so you have to project and dream a little at this phase, at the early phases. And, you know, it's this is something that you have to kind of figure out if it's right for you, just because it's been right for somebody else, somebody, you know, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a fit for you. Um, and so that's something that's really important. And honestly, I think I, this phrase comes out of the, um, U S army, um, posters or something like be all you can be, <laughs> but it's so true. Um, you know, honestly, that phrase applies to, to people considering, um, what kind of law they want to do if they even want to do law and, and saying, you know, is this, is this something I can really see myself liking because if you don't like your work you got to do something about it you cannot be in a job you don't like it's it's soul destroying and crushing and i've had some students um come to me years later and tell me you know they can't stand it they don't like law and they're doing something else i've had somebody say they were up and going to medical school instead so you know, I mean, again, but they they corrected their course. And I think that's um, kind of the, the path that individuals may find themselves on. If they need to correct, correct it. Do it as soon as you can. Don't wait to correct because um, you'll wake up one day and you'll be 40 years old and going, I'm not happy. Um, and it's harder to change the older you get. It just it take it takes um, takes a lot of courage to do the course correction. Um, and so. Um, you know, you need to make sure that your goals line up with your heart and your mind. So you have many achievements, one of which recently you can add author to that list. Your book, Canadian Animal Law. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Oh, well, yeah. No, I am so, so blessed to have been able to write this book and to have LexisNexis say that this was something they wanted to do um, because it was a pretty new idea. Uh, LexisNexis in Canada have not, as far as I'm aware, published any animal law books. So this was a, this was them going out on a limb and saying, let's do this. And so I'm, first of all, really grateful that, um, you know, this was possible. And um, it's been my students and my family and all these people encouraging me saying, you know, you got to write this down. You've been doing it for 20 years. People want to read about it and um, learn from from what you've done. And I just I, I'm just I'm so grateful that um, that I had that um, inspiration all around me again to, to do something in this new area of law or new ish area of law. Um, and and to be able to write uh, Canadian animal law, it's just uh, it's been it's been wonderful. Um, I've um, been invited to speak to uh, several people about it, and been interviewed by some luminaries in the animal world. Um, and um, you know, there's there's a bit of a tie-in since we're talking about um, International Women's Day coming up in March. Um, I wanted to I wanted to read a, a very short passage from the book. Um, on page 19, I, I talk about um, the intersectional approach and speciesism and going from animals being something to someone. And I say there are conceptual parallels between women's rights and rights of animals. Women were property. 
chattels of males until not long ago when they were finally granted personhood. Acknowledging injustice of one group does not detract from the struggles of another. Understanding and accepting that animals are treated unjustly does not downplay the injustices faced by many groups of people. Um, I could go on, but I won't. It's just to see that these parallels of overlapping oppressions are there. And it wasn't until 1960 in Canada that all women were entitled to vote. And that's in not my lifetime, but that's in that's in my parents' lifetime. That's in many people's lifetime who may be listening to this. It's not all that long ago. Um, and so I think that's that's um, something that um, comes up throughout the book is talking about uh, parallels and injustices and how we need to look at at animal law through a lens of one health and incorporating um for example, the environment incorporate. It's not just about animals. It's about people and human responsibility and how, how we tie it all together. Wow. Thank you for that insight. And thank you, Victoria, for joining us today and sharing some of your experiences. To celebrate International Women's Day, get 15% off Victoria's book, Canadian Animal Law. It is available online through our e-store, lexisnexus.ca slash store. Do you have any closing words you'd like to say for our audience? I just, I hope everybody has a wonderful day and honors the women in their lives, including honoring themselves if they are women. And to remember that you can do anything you want to do. Um, This is not just something that you should have heard as a little girl. This is something that you should take with you into adulthood. And good luck to everybody. Everybody.